Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. Real people experiencing real change because of a real Savior. Amen. Thank you, Matt, worship team. Uh, Just a reminder here in the room, we are going to be taking communion in a bit. So uh, if you need extras, there aren't some near you. Uh, You need a gluten-free option. Uh, All those are on a table in the back in the Welcome Center back there. Uh, Before we get too far into uh, talking about uh, God's Word this morning and uh, what it has to teach us, uh, I do uh, just want to mention that this is the last weekend, the last Sunday morning, that we will be around tables uh, in this space Uh, because there's a couple of things coming up. Uh, One of them is next weekend is our Bapstravaganza. And what that means for us uh, is, uh, well, one, it means there is no Saturday night next week, Uh, but it also means that we will be meeting Sunday morning, all of us gathering together, out in the back parking lot. So we will take these tables and they will be out there next week. Uh, And we will uh, worship together. We will uh, talk about the, the ways God has moved in our lives and who he has moved through, uh, and we're going to baptize someone. And we are super excited about all of that. Also excited, maybe not as much, I don't know, about lunch afterwards. We'll also be fantastic, eating lunch together. Uh, and we know lunch will be good because we're providing the sandwich stuff, and that'll be good. Uh, lunch will be gooder uh, if you... Uh, yeah, no, English is gonna go really well this morning. Uh, it, it'll be even gooder if you bring... Uh, cookies or, or dessert of some sort or, or chips or fruit or, you know, the things that go around the sandwiches that we go back for seconds for, that stuff. Uh, if you guys could bring that, uh, we'll bring that. That'll be fantastic. Uh, the church will provide the sandwiches. Lunch will be great. Uh, it will be fantastic to worship together uh, in that way. And please pray for sunshine because that will make for a more enjoyable day as well. If you want to be really picky, like 72 and sunny, like just, you know, go big. Uh, so uh, that'll be next week. I do want to let you know that if you have uh, enjoyed this uh, format this summer, uh, and we are not saying that this is going away forever, it just we said we'd do this for the summer, and we did. But if you've really enjoyed this format of uh, sort of uh, teach and discuss kind of things, uh, we are going to continue this format on Saturday nights. Uh, So we'll be downstairs on Saturday nights uh, around tables doing something very similar to what we've been doing this summer. So if that this format has uh, worked really well for you, this is your jam, then uh, please consider joining us on Saturday night. Uh, Saturday, also a fully legitimate day to go to church. Uh, And some people have discovered they really love the Saturday night and then Sunday is available for whatever Sunday needs to be available for. So uh, please consider that option as well. So that's the looking forward part. Uh, We want to spend some time this morning looking backward a little bit uh, and talking about remembering. Remembering, I believe, is one of the most important things that we do as human beings. We say things like, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Learning is essentially just remembering and applying some knowledge. And if we don't remember and apply the things that we have learned the hard way, we will have to learn them the hard way again, as most of us have experienced over and over. Remembering is important to who we are and to our lives moving forward. We inherently know that dementia and Alzheimer's are tragic because it feels like, and this is not true, but it feels like stripping away our ability to remember strips away something that makes us human. We gather around tables like this. When we gather around tables in our everyday lives, we do two things primarily. We eat and we remember. We gather around the dinner table and we eat and we remember what we did that day. So how was your day? How did things go? What happened today? We gather at Thanksgiving and most of us eat 
more than we should. And we remember the things that we are grateful for. We gather together with family and we tell the same stories and the same jokes over and over again. Every year at Thanksgiving, somebody will tell the story, hey, remember that one time when Uncle Dave, we all go, oh yeah, yeah, we remember. Remembering is the way that we honor and love and laugh at the people in our lives who are most important to us. Remembering reminds us who our family has been, who we have been, reminds of the stories that make us who we are. Remembering reminds us of what we have learned and what we still need to learn. Remembering together is an opportunity to remind each other that whatever the circumstances look like today, there are reasons to have hope. So I actually wanna take a couple minutes and at your table, answer this question for each other. This is more of a short-term remember, but let's pause and actually nail something down. And uh, in the chat online, would love to have you sign in and, uh, and put your answer in there as well. What will you remember from the summer of 2022? Funny story, serious story, whatever it may be. We are, I'm sorry, teachers and students, but we are nearing the end. We're, let's be real, we're at the end of summer 2022. So what will you remember? Parents are like, yeah. What will you remember from the summer of 2022? Talk about it for a couple minutes and I'll bring us back together. As we turn towards scripture this morning, scripture is flooded with the word remember. It is all over the place. We could pick just about any book in the Bible and see something about remembering. Uh, sometimes this word remember is directed from people to God, as in God, would you please remember your people, remember your promises, remember how much we need you. Sometimes the word remember simply means to make a regular practice of doing something, like we might tell our kids to remember to brush their teeth. Sometimes it's a mindset. Hey, remember, think often about these things. Be mindful of them. The word remember is used by prophets and poets, by manipulators and kings, and by God himself. For instance, the prophet Isaiah, oh, I'm gonna have to turn to it. Isaiah chapter 46, verse nine, says this. Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. 
I am God and there is none like me. Remember, remember. Or, I mean, that's Isaiah quoting God. Here's God himself directly speaking to Moses in Exodus chapter three. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. I wanna buzz through a bunch of scriptures today because again, it is all over scripture. And little behind the curtain, I actually try really hard not to do this most of the time because all of these things that we're going to kind of pick out as we go through all have a context. And I would rather typically spend some time in that context so we're all on the same page and we have plenty of time to dig into and explain and explore the context of the verses in the story that it's being lived out in. So to try to limit us a little bit, we're gonna stick primarily with the story of God and the people of Israel. So we could go all over scripture and bounce all over the place, but we're gonna stick mostly in the Old Testament in the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy. For instance, this verse that we just read, God is calling a man named Moses. And some of you know this story and maybe some of you do not. God tapped Moses to say, hey, I know that my people, the people of Israel, the, the people that I have declared my chosen people, I am very well aware that they have been in slavery for 400 years and it is time for them to get out. Now, I can't imagine what 400 years really is. I mean, that's, I had a memory pop up on Facebook from six years ago and went, that is a long time. That was a long time ago, 400 years. If we back up 400 years, we are 150 years before America is even a country. They've been in slavery for a long time. And God says, Moses, I'm tapping you as the person to go to them and say, hey, I'm leading you out of here. God has sent me to lead you into freedom. And Moses says, okay, so... Let me get this straight. I'm supposed to show up to the people and say, hey, God told me you're free now, follow me. Okay, it'd be really helpful if I could tell them who sent me. And this is God's response. Tell them that I am sent you. The one who not just is, but was and always will be the eternal God. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Part of what we are commanded to do in scripture over and over, like in this case, is we are called to remember who God is. In this very important work of being human, one of the most important things we can remember is we remember who God is. Remember God's greatness and power. Remember God's grace and mercy. Remember God's love and justice. We remember who God is. Now, eventually Moses does go to Egypt and there is this battle to get the people out. And it is a battle between the power of Egypt and the power of God. Now, some of us have tried to battle the power of God before, and we know who wins this story. But Egypt tried anyway, uh, and they, they tried very hard. Uh, and eventually, their unwillingness to recognize the power of God costs them dearly. And God brings what is called in Scripture a plague of death. And it's going to sweep through Egypt and every household there. And the people of Israel are part of the households in Egypt. And so God gives them a way, a symbolic but very meaningful way to be saved from this plague. And it sounds strange to our modern ears, but it would have made a lot of sense to them 
and how they were used to worship and interacting with a God or gods. He says, I want you to sacrifice a lamb. And what you're gonna do is you're going to paint the blood of that lamb on your doorposts, on the doorposts of your houses. And as this plague of death comes rolling through Egypt, it will pass over anywhere this blood is painted on the doorposts. The blood of this lamb will protect you from death and will grant you mercy. And so they do. And God gives them this promise and this command in Exodus chapter 12. This is Exodus 12, verse 13. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. One of the things that's amazing to me about this promise of God or this command, where he says, I want you to celebrate this thing I have done, is at this point in the story, he hasn't actually done it yet. He says, I promise I'm going to. And when I do, I want you to remember. I want you to remember this moment where mercy came your way, where you were freed from your slavery in Egypt. And to this day, Jewish people, the people of Israel, celebrate the Passover every year. It's important for us to remember not only who God is, but to remember what God has done, to remember his work in our lives, in our world, in our history. Throughout scripture, we're taught the importance of remembering what God has done his promises fulfilled, his miracles, his protection, his grace. We're commanded to celebrate on purpose the goodness of God. Now, some of you, like me, have been part of churches before where you look around on a Sunday morning and it looks like everybody's been sucking on a sour grape. Like, I'm pretty sure there are things to sell. Some of you are picturing people from your childhood. You're like, oh yeah, I remember Edna. Yeah, nothing against Edna, so just, anyway. I'm gonna keep going before I get in trouble. For whatever reason, we have ended up in this frame of mind sometimes where we believe that Christian people should be particularly bitter about life. We are commanded to celebrate the good things that God has done. And churches who don't celebrate are missing this command and they are missing out on this joy. We want to be a church that celebrates, that celebrates the good things that God has done as part of why we're so excited about next weekend. Now, God, of course, does eventually win out over Egypt and the people are set free. So God sets about making a new nation out of them. And remember, they have been in slavery for 400 years. None of them know how to be free people. None of them know how to run a, a nation. They've just been doing what they were told or forced to do their entire lives. So God gives them necessarily specific directions and instructions on how to set up a society and how to live. And so a lot of Exodus and the next few books of scripture are very specific instructions. Some of those instructions, maybe the most famous ones coming down to us today, are what we call the Ten Commandments. We find them in a couple places. One of them is Exodus chapter 20. And within those directions, uh, we hear this, Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse eight. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. 
This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Interestingly, in the Ten Commandments, this is the one that starts with the word remember. Like maybe God knew that we would find it hard to remember that we're supposed to rest or that we might easily forget to trust. Remember this day. Remember the work that God has done. Over and over in scripture, we are commanded to remember what God tells us to do, or I suppose in this case, not to do. We remember what God tells us to do to remember the commands that we are given for our good. God is setting up this society. He is giving them all these instructions because these are the boundaries and the gateways into this new life he's setting up for them. These are the boundaries and instructions and gateways for us into the life that Jesus would later call an abundant life. This is how we get there, not just life, but life abundant. One of the things that God tells us to do shows up in this same chapter. So we move to Exodus chapter 20, verse 22. And the Lord said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. You saw for yourselves that I spoke to you from heaven. Remember, you must not make any idols of silver or gold to rival me. Build for me an altar made of earth and offer your sacrifices to me your burnt offerings and peace offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Build my altar wherever I cause my name to be remembered and I will come to you and bless you. I love this idea that God causes his name to be remembered, that the things he does, the way he engages with us cause his name to be remembered. And he says, look, don't try to set up some idol that's supposed to be me. Don't try to put something in your life that uh, is a substitute for me in some way, a substitute for this personal relationship I want to have with you. But what I do want you to do is I want you to set up an altar, some sort of monument to this moment, some remembrance of how I engaged with you here in this place, in this time. An altar was a place of worship. It was also a memorial of remembrance to what God had done. But it was also set up so that any travelers who maybe came through that space would know that something significant had happened there. That anybody wandering through, even if they didn't believe or know in any way the God of Israel would come across this altar and go, okay, something significant happened to the people of Israel and and it was because of their God and it happened here in this place. We don't want to start making idols of things, but it is good to set up markers of remembrance when God has done something significant in our life to write it down, to post it to something, to remember, maybe buy a trinket of some sort, not to worship, but just to go, oh yeah, there was this moment or we were in this place when God said or did or moved in some significant way. And we remember what God has done, but those altars are also there to remind others of what God has done. We remember what God has done and we remind others of what he has done. We tell the story of God's work, of his power and grace and justice in our lives. So I actually wanna take a few moments to do that now. At your tables, if you're willing, I would love to have you share what God has done in your life. Now, I know that if we all shared our stories of what God has done in our lives, we will still be here when the kids show up for VBS tomorrow. So, which is great, but here's what I'd like to have us do for expediency and so that everybody gets a chance to share. Think through what God has done in your life and try to boil some of these moments, these significant things, down to a sentence or two. 
Now, you may have a number of sentences, number of different times that God has done something in your life, but try to boil each thing down to a sentence or two. You may have a whole story, but boil it down to something like, God walked me through a really significant betrayal. God forgave me when I didn't think I was forgivable. God freed me from something I thought I was stuck in forever. God got me that job when I didn't think I would get it. What are the things that God has done in your life? In a sentence or two, share with each other what God's done in your life, and I hope you're encouraged by it. I'll call us back together in a couple minutes. I'm not interrupting you, I'm just sitting. Feel free to ponder. I hope that something you're able to hear at your table or the tables near you, one, encourages you, uh, and two, I hope that that boiled down sentence was intriguing enough uh, that you'll want to hear the rest of the story. So uh, feel free to stick around, um, or uh, it's our last Sunday in the park this afternoon, so you can come to uh, Riverside Park and uh, share your stories there. We would love to continue to share the stories of what God has done in our lives. When we share these stories of, of God's work in our lives, it is an act of worship. It is an act of glorifying God, honoring him in the sharing. We share with each other and we share with those who don't know God and God is glorified. Near the end, of his life, Moses spends a significant amount of time reminding the people of Israel of who God is and what he's done and what he's taught them to do. And we call this long reminder sermon the book of Deuteronomy, uh, basically. And, and in this book now, he reminds them of all of these kinds of things that God has done and walked them through uh, for instance, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, he's reminding them of the Ten Commandments that God gave them. And he says this, remember, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and his powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. There's that remember for our Sabbath again. And this is why he's commanded, because he did the work, and to rest is an act of trust in that work God is doing. But there's another good lesson on remembrance in this statement. Remember that you were once. 
Remember that you were once part of what we spend time remembering is we remember who we were. You remember who you were. Remember what God has grown you from. Remember what God has saved you from. Remember who you were. Remember who you are now when you turn away from God's commands. When you build up those little idols in your life. Confess to God and others the things that you belong to that are not God. Remember the things that you've needed rescue from and forgiveness for. The chapter before Deuteronomy 4, Moses gave the context for all of these commands. Because again, he's reminding them of things that in theory they already know. He's saying, hey, this, this is really important for you to know, and, and here's why. This is Deuteronomy 4, verse 20. Remember that the Lord rescued you from the iron smelting furnace of Egypt. I love that language. It's just, anyway, from the iron smelting furnace of Egypt in order to make you his very own people and his special possession, which is what you are today to know the importance of God's commands for us. You have to remember who you were before them, who you are when you disobey them, but also remember who you are now. Remember who you are now. Moses is reminding the people of Egypt, or sorry, the people of Israel, very different, reminding the people of Israel that they are God's special possession. You also are special to God. He made you intimately and intricately and very much on purpose. You are special to him. We talked last week about belonging to God. In that sense, being his special possession. And if you belong to him, you find the cure to all of your insecurities. Find your cure in him. That you are not defined by who you were. You're not defined by your mistakes or the stories that keep following you. You're defined by his love, by his grace, by the purpose and the life that God has for you. You have been living a story, a story that has led to where you are and who you are today. And it's a story worth telling, a story worth remembering. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, Moses tells them, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. Moses didn't lead them out of slavery and into the promised land the next Tuesday. 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. We take time to remember what God has led us through. Remember who you were, who he has made you to be, and remember what he led you you through. These are the stories that we tell each other and we tell the people who need to hear that God is good. These are the stories that we remember and we praise God for, both alone and together as we share those stories. God has led you through some things. I've feel pretty confident in saying for all of us, the stories that we have lived have had some beautiful moments and some really rough moments. God has led you through some stuff. And sometimes that junk stuff you walked yourself right into. I know that's true in my life. 
And sometimes we don't want to tell those stories because we look bad. Maybe it makes us look weak or not who we want to project to other people. Maybe we're ashamed of the choices we made, the choices we made or the choices that were made for us. We don't want to tell it. Can I tell you, God is not ashamed of your story. He is not ashamed of you or disappointed in you. And you may be tempted to bury that story, but God didn't bury it. God used it. God is working the things of that story. Whatever your 40 years of wandering in the desert is, God has used that story for your character, for your growth, for your good. And that is a story worth telling. We remember and we tell these stories as a testimony of God's goodness. Now, remembering is a practice. It's a habit that has to be formed. Now, I don't know how you best form habits in your life. Frankly, I'm still trying to figure out how I best form habits in mine, partly because I seem to think that the right time to learn a good, healthy habit is when things are starting to fall apart. And as many of you know, that is not really the best time to try to learn a good, healthy habit. We learn the good, healthy habits when things are going well, when there's the structure and stability in place to learn them. Now, we don't actually learn them for the good times. We just learn them best in the good times. What we learn them for is the next time things get rough so that those habits can continue to provide health and stability in our lives. And remembering is just like that. We remember in the good times so that we can laugh, so that we can celebrate what God has done. But we also remember so that when the next challenge comes, we remember that there is reason to hope. Buried in the probably most depressing book of scripture, frankly. And I know people who this is their favorite book in the Bible. And they're not depressed people. They just really like this book. But frankly, it's, it's just a kind of depressing book. And buried in the middle of this book of Lamentations, I mean, it's lamenting what it is over and over. Buried in there, in the middle, is some of the best words and perhaps the greatest summary of why we practice remembering. And I just lost my page, so it's gonna take me a second. We are in Lamentations chapter three. Why we remember, starting in verse 19. The writer says, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Some of us have been in moments where we've gone, this is too dark. It's too dark. I don't see how it's ever not dark. In the darkness, he says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Therefore, I will hope in him. We remember all of these important things, who God is, what he has done, who we were, who we are now, so that we can remember hope. We remember to hope. When the world gets dark and difficult, we remember who God is. Remember who he says you are. You remember that he's gotten you through things before and that he has the power and the grace to do it again. Therefore, we will hope in him. One last discussion around your tables. Again, maybe a deep one. What gives you hope? Now, I also will say, because we're in church, uh, let's just say that Jesus is the free space on the bingo card, okay? Like, yes, Jesus, 
perfect. Uh, maybe be more specific, okay? Maybe it's something entirely different. What gives you hope? Talk about it at your tables. We'll come back together in a couple minutes. For me, I think one of the biggest things that gives me hope is actually uh, these verses. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. His mercies are new every day. So when it is 1.30 in the afternoon and I have messed up today, I have 10 and a half hours to make it through and his mercies will be new tomorrow. His mercies are new every day. That when I keep messing up in the same ways over and over again and keep coming back to the same muck in my life, his mercies are new every day and it gives me hope for tomorrow no matter how today has gone. Which brings us to Jesus. Jesus made a regular practice of remembering and reminding. One of those times was when he and his friends, the disciples, his, his friends and students, would remember the Passover together. They would, as good Jewish people, remember this day when God passed over the houses of the people of Israel and rescued them from slavery in Egypt. One of those Passover celebrations was the night before Jesus died. And he knew at that time what nobody else knew, that he was going to die the next day. As he gathered them, his friends, for dinner, as they sat around a table together, he knew that he was about to be betrayed he knew that he would be convicted of crimes he did not commit, that he would be nailed to a cross, to hang there, 
humiliated and suffocate on his own blood. He knew the price he was about to pay and he knew why he was paying it. This was no accident that they were celebrating the Passover at the time of his death. That they would be celebrating a sacrificial lamb and the blood that freed them from death, that bought them God's mercy. Jesus knew what he was about to do. And so he gathered his friends together around this table and he commanded them to remember. He asked them to eat bread with him, drink wine with him, and said, anytime you eat or drink of these very common elements that are at basically every meal, anytime, remember me and my love for you. This then was a practice the early church engaged in all the time. Here's a pastor named Paul reminding his church in Corinth to do this well. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, Paul writes. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, Paul says, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And in this exercise of remembering, we remember in all of the ways that we have been commanded. We remember who God is, that he's a God of love who remembers us. We remember what God did, that he gave himself to us, that through the suffering of Jesus, his broken body and shed blood, that he loved us and made a way for us to be forgiven and experience the mercy of God and experience new life. He tells us to remember how Jesus has loved us and then to love others likewise. We remember that we are loved, that Jesus saw in us, including in you, saw you as worthy of dying for. We remember that we have messed up. You remember that you have sinned against people and against God. You remember that you are forgiven. We remember that Jesus knows what it is like to suffer. We remember that he is, that he has been, and he will be with you in your suffering. And we remember that Jesus' suffering and death was not the end of the story, that he rose from the dead. He conquered sin and death, and because he did, suffering and death do not need to be the end of your story or mine either. Our God is offering us, is offering you the same new eternal life that Jesus experienced. We are called to remember all of these things and we are called to remember them regularly. To remember regularly, to form that habit of remembering who God is and who he says we are, his love for us and his call on our lives to remember the reasons we have for hope so that when it seems hopeless, we can remember together. We share the stories of why we have hope so that when we forget later, there is a community of people around us who will go, hey, don't forget. 
Remember that time when God, oh yeah, yeah. Remember that he'll get you through this too. As we remember together, we are declaring our hope until he comes again. So we're gonna take communion together. And you don't have to be a member of East Hills to take communion with us. We just ask that it means something to you, that Jesus' sacrifice, his love for you matters in your life. The elements are in front of you on the table. Again, if you need extras, you can maybe share with some table near you or in the back in the foyer area, there are some gluten-free options and uh, some extra cups and crackers back there. I want to let the words of Paul lead us through taking together. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat and remember together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, the new agreement, the new relationship, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's drink and remember together. Father God, would you remind us of who you are? Would you remind us of the truth of how you see each of us? You remind us of your grace and that nothing we have ever done is too big for you to forgive or separates us too much from your love for you to overcome. Would you remind us of the ways you have shown us your love and the ways you've provided for us, most especially in how you have provided grace and mercy for us through Jesus? The way you've provided new life for us through Jesus' resurrection from the dead. God, we want to celebrate what you have done. We want to thank you for who you are and how you have engaged your love and your grace in our lives. Would you remind us this week? Would you give us the words and the opportunities to remind each other of the reasons we have hope, of the great things you've done, of how dependable and good you are? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Find out more or connect online at easthillsalliance.org.